2.41, God is talking about the good he's going to do to his people after they go through a hard time. God says this, I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. So this is God saying he's going to rejoice. God is a rejoicing God. This isn't the only place in the Bible that he says this. God is full of joy. And he likes to fervently do things with all his heart and soul. Well, that says something about him too, doesn't it? Second verse, Ezekiel 5.13, also talking to his people, but this is in a period of the judgment. They had been betraying him and spitting in his face for hundreds of years. And he finally was at the point where he had to drop the hand. He had to judge them. He's been telling them for hundreds of years this is coming, and it finally came. Same God is saying this. My anger will be spent, and I will satisfy my wrath on them, and I will be a then they will know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my zeal when I have spent my wrath upon them. Yee. I'd like to point out that that was a one-time occurrence in history in this specific time. God, that is not God's word for you today. and not waiting to throw a lightning bolt at you. But at this point in time in history, he spoke through the prophet Ezekiel and he said, guess what? I'm ticked off at you guys. And this is what I'm going to do because I'm Everybody said God got angry. God got angry. We have rejoicing. We have fervency of heart and soul. And we have anger. Here's another one from Jeremiah 31.3. God again talking to his people. This time looking forward to what he's going to do after that temporary time of judgment. Free caveat. God's intention is not to judge. God doesn't even like judgment. He will. Whoa. Let me back up. I just said something. There is a judgment. So in that sense, God's intention is to judge. But he's not rubbing his hands together looking forward to judgment. There are plenty of verses that talk about how God wants to bless and not curse. He wants to give life and not death. And even when he has to judge, he does it because he's just, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't get pleasure out of it. I feel it's necessary to go off on that mini rabbit trail when you start talking about just like God's wrath. Fair? Fair. All right. Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an 
shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. He's telling them, don't make a picture of anything and then bow down to that and serve that. Don't do it. People back in the day loved to make idols. They would make a picture or an image and they would worship that as their God. And God is saying, don't you dare do that. And here's the reason. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God. God is jealous? Isn't that a universally negative emotion? And it's actually not in this context. And we'll talk about why in a little bit. You have emotions. God has saying, 
here's one. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Easy. But weep with those who weep. What if you don't feel like it? It's only right to weep with those who weep. He's giving direction to the people in the church. He wants the people in his churches to really be family for each other. And this is in the middle of some hard sayings, guys. This is in the middle of him saying things like, when you're persecuted, don't hate back, but love them anyway. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's not always easy to do that, is it? But there's examples in the Bible of God saying, this isn't a day to be sad, this is a day to joy. You need to rejoice when it's time to rejoice, and be sad when it's time to be sad. Leave those emotions to where they should be. How about this one? 1 Thessalonians 4.13 Dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. It's easy to skip by, but Paul is concerned, one, that we know what happens to us after death. He wants us to know that there's a hope, that we keep living. And those relatives that knew Jesus who passed on, they are still existing. They didn't pass into nothingness. They're in heaven right now. They're in joy right now. But he doesn't say, don't be sad, does he? He says, don't grieve like those people that don't have hope. Manage that grief. Don't let that grief manage you. Don't let it go to an unhealthy extreme. It's wisdom to handling emotions, not saying emotions are bad. Amen? No amen? Amen. Mom, can you get emotional for me right now? Can you get an amen, like a good one? Amen! Thank you. I love you. I love that you're here. So you have emotions. God has emotions, and they're good. Guess what? He created the whole earth good, and emotions are part of it. But we mess things up really bad. And just like everything else, emotions fell. Because of that, we need to manage them. Or they're going to manage us. And the reason that we need to manage them carefully is because God's call to be holy and God's call to be perfect are holistic. It's for the whole person. How many of you guys know that in the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus says a really weird thing. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is that a tall order? I think that's a tall order. And the Christian church has been reacting to that for about 2,000 years now by trying to define perfect. <laughs> it can't actually mean perfect. It's got to just mean mature or complete or something that can get us out of this mess because Jesus made a very clear statement. Be perfect like your Heavenly Father is perfect. And guess what? In the sermon, he talks about actions. He talks about thoughts. He talks about
Jesus Christ is revealed in the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your desires. You didn't know any better back then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. That's four holies in two sentences. That is a whole lot of holy. <laughs> and it starts inside. See how he said that? Gird your mind for action. Watch that inner man. Why is that so important? Well, you got emotions, God's got emotions, emotions are good, but emotions are fallen, so we have to manage them. We need to manage them because the cult of perfection and holiness involves a whole person. And emotions and actions arise out of your heart. Amen. This is why, and this is really, we're getting deeper, a little bit deeper every point. And now we're getting right to the inside of each one of us, including me. No one is exempt from these verses. When I was a kid, rabbit trail, alert, rabbit trail light is on. I grew up in church, and what used to really bother me is when I would go to some youth conference or rally, they'd have a guest speaker, and this flashy guy would get up, and he had no problem just giving orders and telling people where they need to grow, and this is what the Bible says, and you should smell the brimstone and feel the heat. And I just couldn't help but think every time, who the heck is this guy? Like, you have never seen you before, and you have no problem telling me what I should do. Like, I kind of resent that, actually. I'm like, dude, they're saying something good. So, sorry, I'm afraid about that. I'm over it. <coughs> this next part, I don't want anyone in this room to feel that way. Because sometimes, young Anthony used that to the top. Sometimes I could hide behind my resentment for that speaker not internalize the truth I was about to hear, but was hearing and didn't like. Emotions and actions arise from the heart. Here's Jesus talking. Matthew 15, 19, New Living Translation. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Some of those are Definite actions, right? Like theft is hard to confine to your heart. But he's saying the root of all that stuff starts in you. It starts in here. This is where the seed is right now, and it starts to grow. And you don't see it right now, but if you don't cut that sucker off, you know, if you don't spray some roundup on that spiritually, this is where that is. <coughs> Reiterating the same point, Mark records Jesus saying this in chapter 7 of his gospel. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, same list. But he remembers Jesus saying some other stuff too. Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Some Coveting can 
it's not just the call to go face it yourself. Jesus is coming alongside us. And he wants us to be emotionally healthy as well. He's on our side. He's helping us. Because of that, he's given us two brothers. Can you imagine that? Advice in the Bible about how to be healthy and, and live right? It's crazy. And we're going to get that with our next point. Reiterating. Beating this dead horse until it's real dead. You have emotions and God has emotions. And they're good.